This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello there and welcome to episode number 204 of Youpreneur FM. Thank you very much for joining me. You are in the right place, my friends. If you are a personal brand entrepreneur wanting to take your business up to the next level, no matter what you're doing, if you're building a business around you, your personality, your experience, and those that you want to serve, you are definitely, definitely in the right place. I'm your host, Chris Ducker. Thank you very much for being with me today. I'm sitting down with my very, very good friend, Amy Schmittauer of Savvy Sexy Social Fame. However, we're not talking about being savvy, sexy, or social. Today, we're talking all about vlogging and why you must get on the vlogging bandwagon. Before I do that, however, and give you a good intro to Amy, just want to quickly remind you of the fact that the Youpreneur Academy is still open for enrollment for the next five days, after which, obviously, the doors will then close again until our next launch later on in the year. So if you have been sitting on the fence... Since we opened the doors mid-January in regards to this launch and getting involved with the Academy, having your hand held through that first 12 weeks of building a powerful personal brand business and then obviously having access to the community and everything that goes along with that, now's the time. Jump off the fence. I'm here, ready and waiting to hold your hand and to help you do this right, sincerely. You're not going to be alone. There's going to be hundreds of other UPs, as we call ourselves, inside the community helping you as well as my good self. So jump off the fence. Let's do it together. I guarantee I'm going to hold your hand every step of the way. Youpreneur.com. Get signed up today and let's start this journey right here in 2017 together as youpreneur.com. So, on to my chat with Amy. Now, for those of you who don't know Amy, she spoke on our keynote stage at Tropical Think Tank a couple of years ago. She's been crushing it on YouTube since 2008 as a vlogger. And now, she's finally decided to throw her hat into the author ring as well. So, she's here to talk about a brand new book, Vlog Like a Boss. And uh, we just have a really, really enjoyable, insightful conversation. The real strategy stuff gets started about 15 minutes into our conversation. So if you want to skip our banter and, uh, you know, just sort of a little bit of fun and a little bit of a, a background on vlogging as a whole, you can do that. Skip into the call a little bit if you want. If not, sit back, relax, pour yourself a nice glass of wine or something and enjoy the whole lot. Here is myself and Amy and get ready with that notepad. Boy, are you going to need it. Amy Schmittauer, welcome back to the show. Chris Daco, what took you so long? I've been waiting to get back on you. Here. Need, well, you needed to write a book is what you needed to do. You know, it's funny because that's why I wrote a book is just for all these things that are like, well, do you have a book yet? And so yes. here it is. I got one. Well, you know, the level of expectation of the Youpreneur FM listener is quite high. <laughs> if you're not an author. No, I mean, with, you know, we've all joking on one side. Um, you could have come on the show weekly since your last <laughs> since your last because I just we always have good pre-show chats well I just I like hanging out with you You, I I often say that you are my favorite girl on the other side of the pond so and I'm always like who was it five minutes ago (laughs) 
That is true. That is the response I get. That's so crazy to think about. I mean, you you're you're incredible. I just I can't take a compliment from you because I haven't been able to take one since day one. The day that you were like, "Hey, girl, I see what you're doing on YouTube. You should come speak at Tropical Think Tank." And I'm like, "Do you even know me? Like, are you sure?" Yep. And and you've just been so kind to me since then. It's incredible. So thank you. I like good people. That's what it comes Mm -hmm. down to. So. Vlog Like a Boss, the book yes. itself, is out in literally four short days from now. I'm getting a scoop. I believe it. I know. Please. So um, how are you feeling? Okay, I want to talk. Obviously, we're going to talk about the book and the contents of the book. But I want to know from author now to brand new author, how are you feeling with the book being just four days away from hitting the shelf, so to speak? I think right now it's still full of anxiety because it's just not here yet. I'm really hoping this like thing I've been carrying on my back for probably about a year has will like feel like it's like, oh, I've put it out into the world. It's so different than a YouTube video because yes. I can bang that out in like 48 hours and it's got a delete button attached to it. But once you publish a book, it's like, oh my gosh, it's out there. People have it in their homes and they're reading it. I can't take it away from them. It's there. And so like that's kind of a crazy feeling for somebody that's not a writer, never written a book and publishes online media like that's nuts so right now it's really anxious i just hope people receive it well i hope people don't find it as weird as i find it that i wrote a book about video right i don't know how i shouldn't i made a movie or something i'm still trying to come to grips with that well you can probably shoot some videos to help promote it i would have thought (laughs) oh don't you worry you're a pretty little head we've got that worked out (laughs) um that there is though however i mean it's funny how you mentioned like you know, I'm not a I'm not a writer, I'm not a blogger, but here I am writing a book. I have to say though, I you know, this is why for me books are so important to me in my life. I mean, anybody that ever comes into my home office, let alone elsewhere in the home, but I mean my home office has probably got close to I mean, I'm looking around here as I record. It's there's gotta be three, four hundred books in here. I'm a big reader. I'm a big, big reader. I do at least a couple of books a month. Um and I like to hold and smell and Me dog too. ear pages and all that kind of stuff. I don't like yeah. to do the ebook thing or the audio book thing. Um, I can't. I can't either. It's yeah. not the same. It doesn't feel the same. It's like I want to feel the sense of accomplishment that I read a book, which is why I hold a copy of Virtual Freedom Freedom in my hand or I hold a copy of whoever I'm reading because there's something about getting through those pages and, and seeing it the way it was intended to be laid out. I, I appreciate that. Even someone who's not a writer, I can appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, and so I'll tell you, I am. I'll, I'll tell you right now, when you start getting pictures of your book, posted on social media mm-hmm. with people highlighting stuff writing in the margins uh, oh all that kind of stuff that f- i hadn't even thought about that yet oh my god wow. no that that that's the biggest author validation that you can get like i when people come up to me particularly now as the book's a couple of years old obviously when people come up to me they're like at events and stuff you know can you sign your book? I'm like, sure. And if I open it up and I see that, you know, there's a load of pages that have been marked and highlighted and everything, I just have to give that person a massive hug because it means that they genuinely dived like headfirst yeah. into the content. I love that stuff. They read it, love it, loved it, and then asked you to sign it. Like yes. that is huge. And it's so funny because I never thought about it from the reverse because I have so many books like that on my bookshelf. And I'm like, my dream is that every author that's still alive, I get them to sign these books that I read because I took all these notes and, the, and that would be the icing on the cake is that they can see that I did that. I never thought about it in the reverse. So now I'm like really pumped for that. I hope it happens. Yeah. 
No, I know it's going to happen for sure. You need to run very seriously because I know you're only four days away from the launch. You need to run a quote unquote in the wild competition of some mm, variety. I know. I see that all the time and I gotta can't do forget it. that. You got to do it. I ran one for virtual freedom. The, the lady who won it actually posted a great video on, I think it was, I'm going to say it was Instagram, but it could have been Facebook actually, where she was, she was in Australia and she had placed the book in the middle of some bushes somewhere. And she's like, and I'm going to do an Aussie accent. So for my Aussie uh, <laughs> listeners, I apologize in advance. She's like, she's like, here I am in the Australian bush. <laughs> what I'm looking for, <laughs> and then she and she's like peeling back like branches and leaves and everything. And she's like, "Oh, what do we have here, mates?" And and so she's this book is in the is in the distance, and slowly but surely, it's coming closer and closer and closer. And she goes, "This right here, this is what we call a page turner." <laughs> <laughs> And so it was great. She instantly won because it was so good. And the bar is um, too high. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. Some of the listeners here might actually do something even better than that for Vlog Like a Boss. That's, that's um, such a good feeling. I will say the book that's probably made the most impact or, or, or had the most impact on me when I first started getting online was Gary Vaynerchuk's Crush It, right? Mm-hmm. So I picked that up in late 2009 before I started blogging, before I started doing anything online. And it was for me, I mean, I consumed it in one sitting. It took me about three hours to go through. I'm a bit of a speed reader. So took me about a few hours to go through, consumed it in one sitting, and I just turned around and said, I'm going to do so much video. And I did for the first year and a half or so. And then for some reason, I think what it was was I got the book deal for Virtual Freedom and I started doing more writing in prep, I think, for that. Um, and it's taken me a while to get back into the video. But now, obviously, Ducker's own is coming up to its, you know, its its month anniversary, or will be by the time this goes live. And I'm just I'm liking doing more video now. So you, the book, the timing, everything is perfect. I my question is really honestly, you've been doing this for so long. Why has it taken you so long to write the book? <laughs> Because I've been busy making videos. I did the opposite of you. Oh, that's such a good reply. <laughs> um, you know, we both read Crush It about the same time, so I find that very fascinating. But YouTube has been sort of my, you know, origin. I think if you've been listening to Youpreneur for a long time, you you know this about me already because I've been on, but... I started on YouTube in 2008, 2009. I really a serious creator in 2009 and it was just for fun. It was just because I liked it. I wasn't in the in the social media marketing world until uh 2010. So to to see that was nice. It was sort of like, "Oh, cool. I'm on the cusp of information." Sure. But what's interesting is here we are, it's 2017, and I'm again saying, "Hey y'all, it's the year of video." Because <laughs> we've said this for every year. Yep. Every year it's the year of video and, I, and it's taking new shapes every year. You know, last year we saw this huge opportunity with live streaming and even kind of, kind of coming off the back of 2015 yes. where it was really picking up. And still, it's the year of video, but even though it looks different every year, there are still those businesses and brands that have been dragging their feet on even the most elementary. And what's good news for those people is it's easier than ever. The word vlog is really interesting here, right? Because I think it's becoming a little bit more mainstream thanks to people like Casey Neistat. But the reality is- Now is no longer- 
vlogging. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's making a lot of money and but, quitting. But you know what? CNN, it, sure, the the CNN thing is totally a factor. But the reality is, the guy is a filmmaker. Yeah, fake logging comment. your day through yeah. video is not fulfilling. It's just not. So so anyway, so the word is a little bit more mainstream. But the reality is, the vlog actually became more mainstream than just a very small subset of people on YouTube when Snapchat came out. Because Snapchat essentially gave the ability to do quick, fun, interesting, here's what my life looks like video to the average user that just needs to press one button on their smartphone for a maximum of 10 seconds. And that causes you to be quick and and fast and more interesting. So the vlog is becoming more mainstream. It is good timing. But here we are again. It's again the year of video. And so simply I ask for those who haven't started yet, even with something like Snapchat or Instagram stories, which just was like, oh, hey, Snapchat, we're going to steal your feature. You stole our users, so we're going to steal your feature. And and I have to mention your your own vlog on that whole Instagram oh, yeah. stories creation because number one I need to mention it because it was brilliant and I loved Thank it um, and and I shared the hell out of it when it went live I remember and then the, the other reason why I need to mention is is that so that um, my team can add the link to it in the show notes because it, oh. it was that good. Everybody who's listening to this must see Amy's take on that situation. It is absolutely hilarious. It's fantastic. It was it was it was fun. I'll give a quick synopsis because I have a good story about it. Essentially, I, I made a sketch, which I don't do very many sketches. I like to talk directly to a person when I look at the camera. Sure. I don't do sketch comedy, but I did a sketch that was like what it was like to be at Instagram when they decided to rip off Snapchat stories, and it was essentially. Let's just take it. We'll do the exact same thing, same name, same everything. Yeah. So watch the video. It's it's good. But what's very interesting is I did not know that a dear friend of mine works at Facebook. He was in Columbus where I live. He's at Facebook in New York. And I happened to be going to New York the next day. And he said, hey, you're coming to New York. You should come visit Facebook. And I was like, okay, cool. Launch the video. Go to Facebook the next day. And they're like, we saw your video. <laughs> That's and I was great. like, oh, that's right. Did you see that? And they were like, that's pretty much how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like you needed the confirmation of the fact, right? Yeah. It was fabulous. But my question is for those people that know these things exist and 2017 mm. again is the year of video, how do you not start? There's yes. just too much opportunity, too ease of use right now with your smartphone to just get a little bit more personal with your audience so you can make much larger strides in, have, strides in business. Yeah, you have. I mean, I was um I was I was recently at a conference in the United States where I was speaking and I asked everybody to take out their smartphones and hold them up in the room. And everybody, every single person there had a smartphone. And I said, now leave your hand up if you are doing regular online video content. Leave your hand up with your smartphone in the hand. And probably about 70% of the room put their hands down. The other 30% obviously got a virtual high five from the stage from me because they got it. They understood it, that this mm-hmm. is not just the, f- I mean, I don't even take phone calls on my phone. Like I don't Oh my God, it. no. I never do. Like we actually get pissed off if people phone us nowadays. The you know o- what I mean? yeah, no, the only person I'm okay <laughs> with is my father because he doesn't know what else to do with his phone. 
So I know it's a good reason. Right. The, exactly. You know, this is so funny that you just said that because I thought you were going to say you do the same thing I do because I make everybody, when I'm speaking on stage, hold their phone up, but I actually make them record a video of themselves uh, because okay. I'm on stage and they have to do what I they do. Got it. You're right, so exactly. Fantastic. Well, that's but, the difference between you being the vlog queen and <laughs> yeah, me just being some cheesy... I think you could do it anyway. You should. Speaker. You should. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> I listen to you more than they listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's talk about it then. Vlog like a boss, how to kill it online with video blogging. Let's break it down. Um, if 2017 is going to be the year of video, again, as you predict it will be, um, what can we, you know, what can we do to really capitalize on this from a personal brand building perspective as you all know everybody that listens to this show or pretty much everybody is a personal brand entrepreneur so we're talking about people like you know authors speakers coaches experts consultants bloggers podcasters anybody building a business around them and 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 the people that they want to serve and sell to so what can we do and we talked about live video actually Mm -hmm. a lot in the last few months here on the show so let's not go live let's talk about what we can do from you know a true vlogging sense other than facebook live and things like that absolutely so here's the reality what what most people are waiting for is permission because this is such a sort of a vulnerable thing to do right as talk to a camera but as the true entrepreneur right now we need to see your face. We're not doing business behind a logo anymore. We used to think it was a good idea to to hide behind branding because it was like that was what prestige used to be. And now prestige is the is the company that is willing to be more front facing and and more transparent with their customer. So the reality is 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 that you have you have our permission. That is the first thing. You have our permission. But the second thing is knowing that what you have to get started is okay and that you don't need to go out and spend thousands of dollars on camera kit kit. Because people will do that and then they won't even start using it. I mm. And I'm one of those people. The first camera I ever bought, I didn't use, which is so awful. Uh, but I, I took six months to use it. That was in 2008. So like, I feel like I'm a, I, I had a good excuse at the time. But the reality is that's that. Most people will not get started because of fear of personality. They don't have the personality there. They're not sure what the ROI is. And they don't think they have the right technology. And today, those reasons just don't exist. We have the ability to get past all of that. So without kind of giving away the entire book, like those are those three fears that you really just need to break down because the biggest thing you need is just a plan. That's it. You need to understand who you're talking to and that when you sit down with a camera, it can be the smartphone and hopefully you're looking into the lens and not looking at your reflection because that can be tough with the smartphone. But look into the lens of a camera like it is a person. And that is what the art of the vlog has done very, very well. There's a reason why the YouTubers of the early, early years who've been doing it now for almost 10 years, they win today because of what they did then. And they sat down and they talked to a camera like it was the person that they really needed to talk to in that moment, in that story, in that just second of needing another person in the room with them so they could talk to them. Mm. And that's why the vlog works is that personable moment. The biggest mistake is sitting down and thinking, this is so silly. I'm talking to an electronic device. You're absolutely right. This is highly unnatural. Don't do that. But if you think too much like that, you won't do well with video. Other end of the spectrum is I'm talking to thousands of people. 
And that's also not a good mentality to have because it's going to absolutely crush you inside to think, oh my God, what if thousands of people see this? And you won't do well on that either. When you stay in the middle and you look at the lens of the camera like it's the perfect viewer, your perfect customer, your perfect viewer is that one person that you're making this video for. And when you do that, you have the ability to help so many people. And yes. so I find that just pointing that out, there's that's the spectrum. You're talking to nobody but a camera or you're talking to far too many people. That's not the answer. Talk to one person because that's how you help the many. And it's the only way that we've really learned how to niche anyway. So you're doing all this work in your brand development. Use that same mentality in the way that you vlog and you'll win. Yeah, I love it. No, I mean, you're 100% right. And I think that... I mean, good God almighty. I mean, we've been talking about this for ages now, this mm -hmm. mentality of just focus on creating great content for that one person, that perfect avatar, that perfect yeah. customer or whatever. We've been harping on about this for the longest time now on this show and just elsewhere. When are you people going to get it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is, how, I know. how many people do I need to have on the show? Mm -hmm to say, come up with your perfect customer and everything you do with that person in mind, if you do it with that person in mind, you do it properly with long game attached to it, that it'll serve you well. Like, And it, it really doesn't matter whether it's vlogging on YouTube or whether it's uh, you know, Facebook Live or blogging or podcasting it, or any kind of, it really doesn't matter. Just focus in on mm -hmm. serving that one special person that yeah. if you help them enough they will give you the right to put a price tag on something they'll be happy to buy it exactly that simple exactly um so i want to sort of try and stay away if possible from the whole shooting of videos or using your phone and this and tech and 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 all that kind of geeky type sort of stuff can we talk full-on marketing for the second half of this conversation? And like, Absolutely. Okay, so because, look, quite frankly, can I be a little selfish? Like, I've just launched my own YouTube show on let's a weekly do basis, it. right? Yes. So let, let's, let's break it down and talk about what we can do ultimately. Give me my marketing plan, Amy Schmidt Hour. Give me what I need to do to make sure that Ducker Zone is a resounding success in 2017 moving forward. And you guys tune in as well. It's okay. You can use the same, you can use the same strategies. I, I give you my permission to do so. What do we got to do? So here's, here's where we'll start with this. Because a really what well, you the advantage you have right now is that you do have a built in audience. Yes. They're just elsewhere. I mean that you do you said, have a YouTube though, presence. You do have a YouTube presence. I, I but, do. But that being said, it's not incredibly engaged at this point. Um I think it was more engaged four years ago when I was doing a certain amount of video. Um and if you want to have a giggle, you go back into the archives and see <laughs> some of that stuff. Um worth it. But uh I, it, it, you know, 8,000 odd subscribers, it's it's not a small number, I get it, but um, they are not as engaged as they should. Like, I'm almost 100% sure the vast majority don't have notifications on and all that kind of stuff. So, for me, I also feel like I'm kind of starting from scratch with this show, to be honest with you. That's the way I'm looking at it anyway. Here's the thing. you're Everyone's starting from scratch. PewDiePie is the number one subscribed YouTube channel 
and he's threatening to quit. You know, and 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 we're recording this a little in advance, so we're going to find that there's developments around this, and he's probably just trying to get attention. What does he do? I've I honestly have no he's idea he's a gamer gamer that became very you know very popular just with whoever knew what game he was playing. I assume, but right. up he he's he's threatened to cancel his channel at 50 million subscribers. It's never been done because no one's ever achieved 50 million subscribers before. But the reality is, the reason why all of this is coming together is because the YouTube algorithm changes constantly. It doesn't matter how many. Subscribers subscribers you have. You're not going to have a ratio of views that's actually going to make any sense okay. because it all depends. It's we're we're truly fighting with the same algorithm that we're probably fighting with Facebook. We don't even know it because YouTube has opportunity outside of a news feed, but the news feed still exists. The homepage of YouTube is customized to you and the activity that you have. Mm. So if Chris hasn't made a video in a certain amount of time, Lucy's getting real excited next to me for some reason my dog. The, <laughs> If, if if Chris hasn't posted a video in a while or there's not been a lot to engage with, your sort of like that engagement score is going down. And so you're less likely to show up on the front page. And these days, the average user is having a hard time finding their subscri subscription feed, much less using it. And so those 8,000 people that are subscribed to you, maybe business people that never knew how to work YouTube subscriptions in the first place four years ago, they don't know where the heck it is. They just go to YouTube.com and they watch whatever is on the front page. Okay. So that's customized to your experience. So I'm not saying your your subscribers are worthless. They just need to be woken up. And right now they're not going to be woken up unless you give it some other momentum. So here's the rule of thumb. The first 48 hours of your upload from on YouTube, when you go live publicly, not unlisted, not private. Okay, so you can have a although, video sitting unlisted for a couple yes. of months. It doesn't matter, yeah. right? Okay. You can, yes. I mean, people will argue that, that there, there's something wrong with that, but it's not true. As soon as you go public, that video goes to your subscription feed as if that were the moment that it ended up on YouTube. I know this because I privated a video once and then I took it public because I thought, whatever, I'll just put this out there. It's fine. If someone finds it, they can watch it. It went out to my subscription feed again. I think they have since fixed that, but still, it doesn't matter if it's unlisted or private. Okay. The moment a video is public is when it starts to matter for 48 hours. And the reason it's 48 hours is that's, amount, that's the amount of time that YouTube has a hard time measuring analytics in real time. They can offer us real-time analytics, but for some reason, it's not quite there yet in actual analytics. Okay. So that 48 hours is very precious because if something happens out of the ordinary in that time, your channel is either credited or not in that time. So let's say an upload does better than usual in a 48 hour time span. By the time the analytics picks up that information, if it's higher than normal, they're saying, oh, Chris's video is doing pretty well. We should probably push this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It tends to, to do okay. Or if it's worse than usual, they'll say, okay, well, whatever, then we're just going to kind of let this fizzle and, and it's over with. If that 48 hours has gone pretty well for you and YouTube is like, huh, this is cool. We want to push it out a little bit more. Your subscribers who are there may or may not start seeing it on their front page because it might be recommended based okay. on the engagement it's had. So that's the critical time. All of that jargon means <gasps> this. Lucy, I'm trying to tell them how it works. <laughs> yes, Lucy. In the 48 hours... It's not about subscribers. It's about viewers. It's always about viewers. It's never about subscribers. The subscribers can help mm. at the time of launch. Mm. But the 48 hours means Chris Ducker goes live with a video. You want your email list, your social feed. You want anyone who can get their eyeballs on that video in the first 48 hours. I'm going to strangle my dog right now. <laughs> Because and by the way, can I just say I think it's lovely that you named your dog <laughs> after my mum. That was really nice of you. 
Lucy, hear that? Oh my gosh. She knows. She's heard this tangent so many times. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's getting, bored. She's like, please, already. Again? She's like, 48 hours, we get it. <laughs> you just want, it's all about eyeballs. So it's all about if getting you, as many people. Views, okay, so here, so let me ask you this question as an aside. So um, I, I plan in some way, shape, or form of embedding. Uh, Ducker's own, and and obviously I've embedded other YouTube um, videos into, uh, you know, on on my blog. Are YouTube going to, are they going to count those views on other websites as views, or does it need to be viewed on YouTube? You're fine to get views from another site, But in the first 48 hours, you want nothing but watch page time. Because here's what happens. What is watch page time? YouTube.com slash anything is watch page time. Okay, good. Because what you've done is you've started someone's session on on the watch page. Okay. When you do that, that's, that's positive rapport for your channel. So ideally, it's your video. But even if someone stops watching your video and goes on to someone else's content afterward... You're credited with starting with someone's starting someone's session. Mm, and in okay. a world where 40 minutes is the average watch time of somebody on mobile on YouTube, if you started that session, you're the channel that gets kind of this this positive rapport, credit for that. Okay. Okay. And and YouTube says Chris Ducker's channel starts sessions. We want to promote him more uh, okay. because he keeps people here. So in the first 48 hours at minimum, you really want to be pushing as much of the YouTube link as possible because that's what YouTube wants. They want to make all the monies. They don't care about you making money. Sure. They don't yeah. care about your website. They're, they are counting views on your website, but in the, in the first couple of days where watch time, session time starting and, and, and just those analytics at its core happening, you're going to be more positive if you send people to the YouTube watch page for the first two days. I love that. Okay, good. Well, that's, that's fantastic to know. That is good to know. All right. So what else can I do? Well, that's, that's a big one because if you're, you're doing that and you're also making sure you engage in those comments because any and all engagement that's happening with that video is going to help you from a, not only a search, but, but a recommended perspective. So just making sure you're staying very close to engagement as much as you can. The other thing is that the, and, and I want to say this specifically because I know this is a Q&A show. So this is going to kind of strike a chord with those people that are thinking about starting like a Ducker Zone, right? Mm-hmm. It's very sexy, this idea of having the Ducker Zone. It is very sexy, but nobody actually cares about the Ducker Zone except for people that are already there, right? Nobody is searching for Ducker Zone in search. So this is the trap that people normally fall into where they're like, my show's not doing that well because they're so worried about the branding in the wrong places that it kind of docks them. Mm. in 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 ways that matter so so good example is you know you just showed a video showed me a video that you've got on your website the the upside to that is the title was used very well in a way that a youtube audience likes and it's all about the content and not about what your series name is and that's what i want to point out here Every single video, it doesn't matter if it's a part of a series, it's answering a question, your name's in it. None of that matters. The content of the video matters. If you are trying to answer someone's question in that video, you should probably phrase the title in a way that the keyword that they're searching for is going to resonate with. They're not going to search for Ducker Zone, but if they are going to say, how do I come up with new revenue streams in my business? That's what the title should say. Sure. Okay. And so that's really important because figuring out what that keyword is, like 
whatever that thing is that's going to be the winning keyword, it needs to be in the title, the description, and the tags, because those are the three main areas of a YouTube video SEO that matter the most. Okay, so how do we know? I mean, is there a way, does YouTube have tools or you know plugins or anything like that that we can utilize where we can figure out um, what keywords are best used? Is there something we can do in regards to that? So YouTube does us a couple favors. One of them being the most They're so basic. They're nice at YouTube, aren't they? I know, I know. They really, well, are. <laughs> and it's Google. Really, we should really credit Google. Yes, because you're all probably very familiar with predictive search, and that's when we type in the search bar, and that lovely list of ideas shows up. We'll call them ideas. Yeah, uh, ideas shows up, and it's trying to predict what you're planning to type in search. Predictive search is a very good indication, specifically on YouTube, of what the most trending searches are for that particular beginning term that you entered. So you can get an idea of how mainstream this thing is. Now, if you're not necessarily in a mainstream area, and usually B2B YouTube channels won't get a ton of opportunity going on here, I like the tool TubeBuddy. So TubeBuddy is a great Google Chrome extension. And essentially what it does is it allows you to go ahead and type in that search bar, see what's going on in results, what shows up at the top. But it's also going to help you evaluate that term in terms of how high the competition is and um, and sort of how much traffic is going there and whether or not it's even a worthy search term to sure. even shoot for. Okay. Um, and you also want to know who your competition is. If you look at uh, a front page of YouTube results and you've only got a few thousand, hundred thousand results in total for that search term, you know it's not that competitive. Nobody's really publishing videos about it, which is good and bad. But if literally no one's searching for it, then that's why there's no results for it. When you get into the millions of results, that's good. And so you can use TubeBuddy to kind of evaluate what what are your chances. And then you look at those top results and say, can I beat them out in some capacity? Are these videos old? Are they dated? Um, is there some sort of metadata here that I can use to my advantage that I wasn't planning to use, but clearly this is helping that video to rank better? There's a lot you can do just by observing what's happening in search. And then TubeBuddy will kind of help you back up that argument and say, yeah, you know what? Here's a great example of what you should be doing, the number one result in this search result, and here are the tags they're using, and here's the metadata that you should be thinking about. So it's a very, very handy tool for that reason. You don't have to dig into the back end of YouTube to find it. So is this? So am I right in saying, and I'm assuming I am, I'm not always right, but I'm assuming that I'm going to be right on this, is that it's probably a little easier to get that additional traffic for your videos on YouTube by going after some longer keywords and not so broader terms. So, I mean, for example, uh, I ha might have the, uh, the, you know, the broader search term that I'm wanting to rank for, say, personal brand, for example. But if I was to look at a long tail type keyword, uh, how to build a personal brand, am I going to rank a little easier for that rather than the broader term like I would do, say, on, on Google, you know, uh, searches? Absolutely. Um, 
And that's just because personal brands are really fine example of something that is very well known and people are just popping it into their tags just for the, for sake the heck of it. Of it. Yeah, 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 and yeah. It's not even in the headline. And so that's what's going to make the competition pretty, pretty tough. So to give you an example, personal brand had about 600,000 results in YouTube and how to build a personal brand has only 200,000. Gary V is at the top of both of those lists. So, and he's got less than a hundred thousand views on those videos and they're on those, on that video. It's less than, well, maybe it's two years old. So, this is definitely a scenario where you can do well, but you're right. How to build a personal brand. You're doing two things here. You're giving yourself a, a higher chance, but you're also putting yourself in the perspective of the search query user, right? Okay, yeah. What they're actually going to type in. Which that, And the, that's going to serve us brilliantly over a long period of time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But the, the cool thing about that is this. You may think, oh, I can't win that one. I can't win the big one, the personal brand one, but I might be able to win how to build a personal brand. If you do, if you get enough momentum behind the how to build a personal brand, you're going to rank well for personal brand because that term is within the term, right? Right. It's the smaller term within the big term. So with that, you're actually going to build rapport. And I say this because I've done this before. There's a video that I did on my channel called How to Get More Followers on Twitter. I don't remember the exact phrasing, uh, but I went for one that I had a better chance of hitting, Mm -hmm. probably five ways to get more followers on Twitter. But because that... Yes, Lucy, it did so well in search. Because (laughs) it did so well in search... It's actually hitting for the main term. And I'm the, one of the number one results for getting more followers on Twitter on YouTube now. So the momentum is really the winning tactic here. You have to get into a search term that actually makes sense in terms of how you can achieve something that will actually happen so that you can build over time. This is the upside to YouTube. You're investing in archives. This is not something that's going to die in a week. Yes. This is something that if it, if it does well in the beginning and it continues to grow... You could crush multiple searches for it. Yes. Yes. Love it. Okay. Thumbnails. Let's talk. Th- can we talk thumbnails for a minute? I want to talk thumbnails yes. for a minute. Yes, um, we need to. This is so important. Yeah, I see so many people and, and actually myself included. I've been very, very guilty of this in the past. However, I have you know a couple of people on my team really cleaning my channel up prior to launching Ducker Zone, knowing that we were going to be promoting the show heavily and all that sort of stuff. Um, I feel like I've done a half-decent job. We're probably going to continue to work on it a little bit. But um, I, I, I see some horrific thumbnails, even custom thumbnails, like people have actually put them together and uploaded them to videos. It's Talk bad. a little bit about the importance of this because I think it is it's- something that doesn't get talked about in depth as much as it should. It doesn't because so many people have such a hard time with just the concept of uploading a YouTube video in the first place. And then it's like, what? I have to do design too? I, I got this whole thing edited. Here's here's how you have to think of it. YouTube, we have it so good. I mean, I, I, I say that as someone that continues with the YouTube struggle every day, but it's like, we do have it so good. If you think about Facebook, that video is auto-playing in a disruptive way on the feed. That's how you have to get your viewers. Yeah. On YouTube, all you have to do is have a killer headline and a great thumbnail. And the way that you pull people in is by having a human 
element in that thumbnail. So that means a couple of things. One, a face would be ideal because it's very relatable. People watching your videos probably have a face too. Then you also got to look at copy that you can overlay in those thumbnails if you want to go the extra mile because we have to be so keyword rich in the headline. It's going to be good from a an SEO perspective of what people are typing in, but you also have to think about what pulls somebody in on a human level. Mm-hmm. So they might be teaching, they might be searching for how to grow my personal brand. But the thumbnail might be something a little bit more at the heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's, you know, keeping it easy or five simple steps. And you can put words that don't necessarily matter from a search perspective in the thumbnail to make somebody look at your only visual that they have to judge your YouTube video on and say, that's the video for me. Yeah. And that's what people don't think about it. It's a human SEO because now your video has shown up in search or social and they're looking at the one visual they get for your, your YouTube video, which is a thumbnail, or you can design a variety of social assets for this, but it's an image that's going to pull people in. What does it say on it that makes someone go, Ooh, that's the guy I want to learn how to grow a personal brand from. That's Mm. the difference. Too many people make the mistake of, oh, people are putting a face and copy on their thumbnails. Great idea. I'll put my face and the exact same headline I put in the thumbnail copy. Why? What a waste of space. You already said that in the headline. They saw it because they probably searched for it or you typed it in your tweet. So why would you put that same copy of visual piece of copy that does nothing for you in any search capacity. Why would you make that the same thing? You shouldn't. Mm. You've got to think like a human when you're thinking about that. So those are the big things, in my opinion, that win with a thumbnail. What's the human copy that you can put there to back up your headline, your title? And what's the face? What's the subject of this video that people need to see to know that it's worth it? Yes. Love it. Okay. What else? Keep going. You're on a roll, darling. Go on. Oh my god! Wow. We've done searching. That's, that's a lot of it. That's, that's a, well, a lot. Well, I mean, look, we're not giving, okay. we're not giving the entire book away here. But, I, I mean, know. There's got to be more than just bloody analytics searches and thumbnails <laughs> to it. I mean, come on. So unsexy, right? But like that. This is this. But it's important now. stuff. People just don't, they don't make the time for this stuff. And this is like, this is the bare minimum. Now let's have fun. So you go to social media, right? And you're like, hello, people, I published a video. So I'm going to let you know that I have a link for you. And they're supposed to be so excited about this link. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem is that so many people approach every single social media network like it's all the same. So what's fascinating to me is when someone's like, I hate Twitter. Why? Why do you hate Twitter? Oh, it's just, it's where people go to share their lunch. And I'm like, what year is it? Okay, great. Um, and, and the reality is if you think that way, but you're not willing to look at every social network differently because you favor one over another, you're doing something completely wrong. And that's because every network is different. So the dream situation is you, let's say Ducker Zone needs to get all the views in the first 48 hours of that episode. Mm. Sharing the YouTube link to Facebook, right? That would be the no-brainer situation. Except what's the problem with that? Facebook doesn't prioritize them. Facebook hates YouTube links. Yeah. Facebook doesn't hate YouTube. They actually find each other to be quite useful for the reasons that they exist. But Facebook, the newsfeed, does not prioritize links from other sites, including your own website. But a YouTube Unless you link pay. specifically. Unless oh, you pay. sure. Right, yeah. You can pay for anything on Facebook yeah. if, you have, if you have the right visuals. So that's what brings me to my, to my next point. What wins 
on the Facebook newsfeed? Um, it is, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on your, Come on, I guess, you know, well, no, I mean, I guess it depends a lot on, I mean, I mean, in terms of live video is hot. I mean, they'll, they'll prioritize oh, the hell out of that live video. Yeah. So how do you properly promote a YouTube link on Facebook to get the most traction whatsoever? You do a live video about it and get and people you to go put to YouTube. YouTube link in the caption. Okay. I love that. So you got to go live on Facebook. Hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> Let's answer some of your questions. Oh, you know what's funny about answering questions? I just answered someone's question in my brand new YouTube video. It's right. linked in the caption. Go check it out. You have to think like the con- in the context of the social network that you are in. And when you do that, you're going to get the most traction from it. Mm. On Twitter, you'll probably do better with GIFs. Yep. I like to call them GIFs. Everybody else calls them GIFs. I like them. I call, I call them GIFs. They're GIFs. By the way, the creator said they're called GIFs. So it well, is. And the GIFs, everybody else is wrong then. <laughs> everybody except us and the creator is getting it horrifically wrong. Exactly. Exactly. So, do, do you know what GIF, like in the UK, GIF is a, it, it's a kitchen surface cleaner. Is it really? Because it's <laughs> peanut butter here. That's mad. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't get any different, can you? Talk about chalk and cheese. Good God. Okay. So So, you get your GIF, you get your GIF sorted out, and then what do you do next? You put a link in that same tweet. So the GIF is going to be a movable video and it's going to get attention, but it's not a video you have to watch. Right, 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 right. It's screenshots on replay. It's It's like the old school Vine. So essentially what you're doing is you're just grabbing attention on the newsfeed. Yep. That's... Thing you have to do. Whatever that looks like on every social network is what you need to do. Period. Okay. Love it. Um, how about how about sort of little short clips from the video? Um, and then you I mean, somebody who does this very well actually is Gary. Right? We yes. mentioned Gary earlier on, you brought him up. So, I mean, obviously, Gary has a huge team behind him doing yes. all these things for him. We want to clarify that. He runs a freaking agency, right? So he's he's got h- literally hundreds and hundreds of people doing all this stuff for him and his clients. And he has like uh, less than 20 people, but I think it's less than a little less than 20 people on his own marketing team wow. for his personal brand. But that is still a lot There's of a people lot of knocking people. out a lot of content, right? A so lot. God knows how many video editors, God knows how many, you know, uh, 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 content writers and graphic designers and everything else. But what he does well, actually, is he does he, he does these little kind of 60-second snippets, sometimes even less than that. And he puts those out, uh, you know, particularly on places like Instagram and, and Facebook, um, getting people's attention to a certain video, and then they've got to click through and watch the rest. What do you mm-hmm. feel about that? It's kind of like a, a movie trailer type scenario, right? It's brilliant, but here's the critical thing. So let's remember how Snapchat stole Instagram stories. Yes. The reason for that is that Snapchat started attracting all of its users. And in my opinion, the reason for that was that Instagram allowed you to start creating video on the feed, on the regular posting feed. This is before stories. And that was killing in app time because when people go to Instagram, they scroll and double tap and they scroll and double tap and they like and like and like until they feel like commenting on something. So suddenly video was killing everything. It was killing in app time. It was killing engagement. So everybody went to Snapchat. 
they stole sto- they stole stories, so they've got their engagement back a little bit. The moral of that story is Instagram and Facebook are examples of disruptive video views. Mm. Somebody was doing something else when all of a sudden your video came along and began to play with no audio, but but began to play. The key thing here is no audio. So the only way that video playing in a disruptive sense works is if there are captions. When there are captions and you're a talking head, you can win over somebody who passively saw you and then wants to potentially watch watch your video. Okay. But for but if you're just a talking head and you scroll by on Facebook and you're not a member of the armed services that suddenly came home from tour of duty and ran into your child's school and scooped them up in your arms. That's a visually compelling thing. I think we've seen on Facebook a million times. That's yeah. everybody gets pulled in and they want to watch something like that. When you are a talking head, talking to the lens of a camera, it's not as sexy. So you have to do things like graphics and words on screen and captions to pull someone in. And that's just to get that video to do well. That's just to get those views to matter. Because on YouTube, at least somebody clicked play and they intentionally gave you that view. On Facebook and Instagram, it was just a period of time that you appeared in their life. You get credit for that view. So if you want that video to do something for you, you pull them in. Now, Gary's doing it from the perspective of if his Facebook page does well, he's winning. He's winning at life because he's going to Facebook Live. He's going to upload videos. He doesn't care if they move over to YouTube or not. He wants the views wherever he can get them. So as long as he's posting content that Facebook likes, his his page overall is going to have a healthy rapport on the newsfeed. He's going to get tons of engagement. He's going to get tons of reach and he's not going to have to pay for it. So yes, I agree with that. But in the sense of I want to promote Ducker Zone on YouTube, mm-hmm. you have to remember that the video, the, the clip that you share has to probably be the absolute best moment of that entire episode with captions, pulling somebody in in the shortest period of time with a link to the YouTube video and the caption in order for it to work. Yeah, or that. you just get your views wherever you can get them. You could if you get the views on Facebook. I'm so sorry about the dog, but if you get the views on Facebook and you get them on YouTube, if you're happy with that, then go to town. Yeah, but to I town. like to have all my views in one place personally. Yeah, well, I think you know it all. It's I mean, it's also a social proof element as well, right? Like if 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 you're doing video and it's on YouTube and your videos have got you know over a period of time four or five thousand views each. That's a social proof built in. The fact that you know a few thousand people have actually sat and watched this video. Absolutely, um, I think that's that's a big one. Whereas you know, if it is spread out, like somebody like Gary's is, um, for him he doesn't care. You're right, but not everybody's got a million plus followers on Twitter, for example, right? So absolutely, you know. and you know what we're also seeing. I don't, I don't know if he's still doing this, but we've been seeing him toy with the idea of taking a piece of produced content, not toy with it, actually do, take produced content and live stream it on Facebook. Yes. And the I reason actually, for that... I, I discussed that um, just a couple of weeks ago with uh, Ian uh, Anderson Gray, who was on the show. He's from the UK. Very, I mean, really leading the way in terms of Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. brought that up to him, and he wasn't actually even aware of it until I brought it up on the show. But I have yeah. seen Gary do that, and he's hit quite a bit of flack about it as well. But his whole reaction has been, well, they're you know, they are focusing on live right now. I want as many people to see it as possible. That's why mm-hmm. I did it. What's your take on that? 
And, and Here's what, my take and on him it. doing it as well. Because the reason I brought it up is this. If let's say let's say Ducker Zone is 15 minutes, it's not going to do well produced on no, Facebook. No, no. Yes. It's just not. Period. It captioned to all craziness, it will not do as well. However, live video has to be a minimum of 10 minutes because that's how the momentum picks up with a live video for it to be featured on the newsfeed. So it's actually brilliant that he's doing that because his episodes long form and in full on Facebook will not perform as well from an actual um, quality of view perspective. Okay. Somebody, he will get the views, but he'll probably get 30 seconds. People will get bored and leave because that silly notifications button on Facebook is going off. It distracts you and it takes you out of the video viewer. So I can see why he's doing it because the longer you go live on Facebook, the more traction you get on the newsfeed. So if you're streaming a 15 minute episode, you don't have to do any work. But I also understand from the audience perspective, you're getting screwed over. What's the point of live video if you don't get the interaction, even if you don't really get the interaction? Mm, so mm. I get why he's doing it. It's all gamification of the algorithm, but like period. But from a viewer perspective, it's kind of a bummer. Is it something that you would do at some point in the future? You know, I hadn't considered it. I don't I don't think so. I really don't. My Although take I would on it, love I would love to get out of doing live video altogether. I feel like I'm much better produced than I am on live, but well, I, I mean every, everybody has their, you know, everybody has their um I guess their 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 they're kind of their vibe, right? And I think you're right. I think the produced stuff that you do, particularly with the quick cut edits that you have, that's your style and you just sell it brilliantly. Um, but, I mean, I personally would not have a problem doing the same thing as as Gary. Um, but with, you know, the very, very clear indication to people that this is not live. Like it's got to be right there in the caption of the video, you know, not live in capital letters, but... This is what you're going to see at five minutes. This is what you're going to see at 12 minutes. This is, you know, like making it really obvious, particularly, you know, around kind of like launch times. I wouldn't say like doing it on a very, very regular basis, but I think that, it, that there is something to be said around times where, like, particularly, for example, if, you know, I did a video like this, for example, and, you know, uh, like we're doing a, you know, if we were to do a split screen like this and it was a 30, 40 minute conversation, but I just thought there was so much gold there and I wanted to get it consumed by as many people as possible. I would have no problems putting that as a live video, but with Makes the preface, sense. the preface of this is not live. I am right. putting it live for this very clear reason because Facebook prioritizes live video and I want you guys, I want as many people of you guys to to get it in front of your eyeballs as possible. I, I wouldn't have a problem doing it. I don't see anything bad about it as long as you're, you know, ethically transparent in the reason that you're doing it, which I'm and sure is the way Gary's probably thinking about it as well. And he's even said, he's like, I know you guys don't like this. The reality is that you have to be transparent because otherwise it's just not going to work. The yeah. other reality is Facebook's not going to prioritize this activity anymore at some point. So it's like you might yes. as well take advantage of it while you can get it. Facebook's already shutting down people that if one person says they own the content that somebody else is live streaming, they will shut down the live stream altogether. They'll take it offline. So there's already some policing going on. If they get to a point where they're like, we don't like that people are 
you know, wire casting a, a pre-produced video as a live stream, then they'll stop it. But man, is this a sign that social media is turning into television or what? Like how oh, many yeah. times have we seen something that we thought was live on TV, but it was like, oh, this is pre-recorded, but it's still the same experience for you. Yes. We're just taking care of the programming. Yes, exactly. All right. Any passing words of wisdom here in regards to vlogging like a boss? I think the the key thing here is there's not going to be an easy way wherever you are, but much like we discussed throughout this entire conversation, it's all about context of where you are. What's the platform and how do people like to receive their information there? If you want to win, period, you do that. Too many people go to whatever social platform they think they like the most and say, I'm going to start doing my thing there without actually looking at what does a great experience on YouTube look like? What does a great experience on Instagram look like? What does a great experience on Snapchat look like? And then you get hung up on why you're not doing well, but you didn't look at how the audience actually hangs out at that party in the first place. So I actually kind of brought this up once on um, a social media examiner, like an online summit or something. And I, I brought up the fact that every social network is like going to a different party. You don't wear the same thing to a cocktail party that you wore to a Super Bowl party. You wouldn't right. do that. And so by looking at every social platform like a different party, your videos are only going to be so much better because you understand what the cadence of your message needs to be like in order for you to fit into that crowd. And when you fit in just by barrier to entry, then you can stand out with your personality and the content and the value that you actually bring to the table. So I think that's the biggest thing. Vlogging like a boss means knowing your viewer, knowing them so well, they barely know themselves, and just knowing what that keeps them up at night, what their problems are, what entertains them, and then applying that in whatever the cadence of the social platform is that you're going to. YouTube is a social platform. It's actually the luxury of social search and content rolled into one, but it doesn't mean it's not a social platform and it's only becoming more so because YouTube's trying to compete with everybody else now. They haven't had to for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's it, that's what you have to think about. Not one if you post something on YouTube it doesn't automatically work on Facebook. And it doesn't automatically work on Twitter because right. Twitter's floundering with their identity as it is. And Instagram is definitely not the case. If anything, you could say Instagram and Snapchat are similar because of the stories situation, but still they're not right. because the caliber of content on Instagram is very different than it is on Snapchat. So you can't look at any of these like they are the same. And as soon as you realize that and see where is my audience and how does that message need to be received on their behalf, where we will be, that's how you create a winning shareable product. Yeah, and I think that, you know, people are going to go where they want to go, where they're comfortable going. They're going to create uh, and, and, you know, almost document what they're up to on whatever platform they're most comfortable with for for over a year here's a little story i don't think i've told this story on the show before for over a year everybody amy actually it was amy and lewis howes were pushing me and pushing me and pushing me to get on the snapchat i had amy trying to show me how to do it in person in manchester england at when we were there at an event in late 2015 i had um lewis 
that year earlier on in the Philippines when he was speaking at Tropical Think Tank trying to show me how to use Snapchat on the beach. Both of them failed horrifically at at trying to get me to get it. Yet in December, on December 26, I was sitting around a dinner table with my then 17-year-old daughter who pulled out Snapchat for about the umpteenth time that day to take another photo of the bloody Christmas scones I baked or something, right? And I finally got it. Like She showed me how to use it, and I finally got it, and I loved it. But then Instagram stories came along, and I was on – I mean, you got me on Snapchat. I was using it all the time. I remember you actually sending me a, a private Snapchat saying, finally, you're on bloody Snapchat, finally. <laughs> Good God, what happened? At least I was smart enough to not try while we were in the Philippines. I was definitely yeah. doing it before Lewis was. But yeah, right. you are without a doubt, without a doubt, absolutely. Um, and I think, I mean, and what happened, you know, when the Instagram stories came out, I tried both for a while. And it just became so apparent to me because I've worked for a few years up to that point on Instagram at building and following on Instagram that it just like, it was night and day. I was getting seven, 800 views on my stories on Instagram and two or 300 views on my snaps on Snapchat. You it had to no work bro- your butt off to get that Snapchat yes. fault yes. because it's so hard to be discovered. Yes, exactly. And I mean, you know, other than getting listed on a couple of nice, you know, um, I think I was listed on Inc., as an influencer to follow uh, on Snapchat, I think also on entrepreneur.com as well. And, you know, you get those boosts, those spikes for a few days from those articles, and then it kind of goes down. Um, but with for me, I just I decided just to turn my back on Snapchat and the focus on Instagram stories. Simple as that. And it serves, a me, brilliant move. serves me very, very well. It's a brilliant move. And just as the last sort of tip, Instagram is all algorithm now. Yeah. So if you want your posts to do better, you use Instagram stories. They, they're just going to help each other. I have not seen more from that in the last few months than anything else lately. Yeah. No, I love it. Emmy Schmidauer, everybody. Isn't she great? Isn't she awesome? She's <gasps> awesome. She really is. Um, all right. Vlog. And, and Lucy, too. And Did Lucy. we all love Lucy? <laughs> yeah. Let's have a round of applause for Lucy, everyone. She's uh, ready for the book launch. Let me tell you. I bet she is. Are you going to take her on tour with you? Are you going to be doing a big – well, I know you're doing a big virtual book tour, obviously, because you've started it right here. But, um, you know, are, are you going to be out and about? Are you doing some signings and stuff? I'm going to do as much as I can. That's all That's all I want to do is, is spread the love on vlogging like a boss. So, yes. I love it. Now, you're going to be at Social Media Marketing World. Am I right? Absolutely. I'll okay. be talking about vlogging like a boss over there, too. I'm it's looking awesome. forward to seeing you. I will not see you in person until then, but I look forward to seeing you when you're there. Yeah, for sure. me yeah. too. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So, for you guys tuning in, you want to find out a little bit more about Amy and her vlogging like a boss mentality. Obviously, it's a no-brainer. You've got to pick up the book, Vlog Like a Boss, How to Kill It Online with Video Blogging. Special pre-release offer just for you guys for tuning in today. Vloglikeaboss.com forward slash youpreneur. Go check it out. Amy's a goodie. She gives lots of nice stuff away. So make sure you go and do that. And obviously, pick up the book um, either there or on Amazon or in a bookstore or wherever the bloody hell you can find it. It's going to be a great read. And uh, I just want to congratulate my very close friend one more time. Time at finally getting her finger out and writing a book. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> 
finally, um, it's like, it's like when I was like, finally you're on Snapchat and yeah. now you're like, finally you wrote a book. Well, I'm so glad that it's all come full circle. So thank you, Mr. Ducker for encouraging me. You are more than welcome, my love. All right. So go check it out, guys. Vlog like a boss.com forward slash youpreneur. Show notes, links to that, everything else that we've talked about, including all those videos and there's all tactics and all the rest of it. ChrisDucker.com forward slash episode 204. I'm going to be back at you again. Now, be careful. Next week, he's back. John Lee Dumas is on the show for the 97th time. <laughs> Oh, he's he's coming on again. I think this is going to be his. I think this is going to be his third or maybe his fourth episode in two hundred and five. So make sure you join me for next week for John. He is going to be dropping some value bombs in regards to productivity and a lot of our stuff as well. Until then, take good care and go vlog something. I'll be back at you again soon. Bye for now. It's the idea of an entrepreneurial community where you get to learn from the best in the business, as well as rub shoulders, gain support, have access to immediate feedback, as well as nonstop accountability from your peers. Is something that excites you? Then visit youpreneur.com for more information and to get started on building a business you can truly be proud of today. today. That's youpreneur.com. We'll see you on the inside.